Hello and welcome. I'm Maria Archibald, and this is Sustain, a podcast about environmental, social, and economic justice. In each episode, I chat with a scholar, teacher, activist, or researcher from the University of Utah whose work challenges us to broaden our understanding of sustainability. It's not just about solar panels and recycling bins, it's also about social equity, racial justice, and economic security. Today, in our first ever episode, I interview Carrie Case, the Chief Sustainability Officer at the University of Utah. So my name is Carrie Case. I am the Chief Sustainability Officer at the University of Utah. I use she, her pronouns, and I would love to begin our time today by sharing the land acknowledgement for the University of Utah, if that's okay. So the University of Utah has both historical and contemporary relationships with indigenous peoples. Given that the Salt Lake Valley has always been a gathering place for indigenous peoples, we acknowledge that this land, which is named for the Ute tribe, is the traditional and ancestral homelands of the Shoshone, Paiute, Goshute, and Ute tribes, and is a crossroad for indigenous peoples. The University of Utah recognizes the enduring relationships between many indigenous peoples and their traditional homelands. We are grateful for the territory upon which we gather. We respect Utah's indigenous peoples, the original stewards of this land, and we value the sovereign relationships that exist between tribal governments, state governments, and the federal government. Today, approximately 60,000 American Indian and Alaska Native peoples live in Utah. As a state institution, the University of Utah is committed to serving Native communities throughout Utah in partnership with Native nations and our urban Indian communities through research, education, and community outreach activities. Carrie began her role as Chief Sustainability Officer in March of 2020, just three weeks before Utah shut down in response to the COVID-19 public health crisis. Before arriving at the U, she served for 13 years as Director of the Environmental Center at Westminster College, where she developed and implemented sustainability initiatives. So Carrie, I'd love to take a moment to learn a little bit more about you and hear your story. What was your journey to sustainability like? And what was it that brought you to this work? Um, so there's going to be a theme today, and I, I think this starts us, starts us out nicely, um, in that I came to this work um, in the same way a lot of white middle class environmentalists do, and that's through an environmental path. Um, and for me, what that looked like was growing up in a very beautiful ponderosa pine forest high in the Colorado Rockies um, and seeing places I love um, threatened by development, um, by mismanagement, by practices. And so I really entered this as an environmentalist concerned about preserving natural spaces that, that I love. In recent years, as threats to natural spaces mount, sustainability has become a hot topic but what exactly does this word mean? Sustainability is often associated with renewable energy, recycling, and green building. These things are certainly important to sustainability, but it encompasses so much more than that. For me and for our listeners, I think it would be really helpful to zoom out a bit and examine this term, sustainability. What does sustainability look like, and what does it mean to you? 
I actually really, really like the University of Utah's definition of sustainability, which is the integrated pursuit of social equity, environmental integrity, and economic security for current and future generations. Um, and so I wanna kind of unpack that a little bit. I was not involved in creating that, that predates my arrival here, but I actually really like that. And I think that represents, um, the way that's described represents actually a shift in sustainability. Carrie explained to me that her own career path from working in sustainable building at Utah State University to directing Westminster's Environmental Center to serving in her current role at the U in many ways mirrors this shift in the field of sustainability. So as I mentioned, I came to this from a very environmental path, right? And I have been doing sustainability work in higher education for nearly 20 years. And when this, when sustainability really started to be a term, right, that we were using, well, I wasn't using it because it was Utah in the early 2000s and you couldn't say green or environment or sustainability or any of those terms yet. Um, but it was starting to be used in higher ed and, and, and around. It really um, was based in the three P's model. Do, do you know what the three P's are? Have you ever heard of the three P's? No, I don't think I have. Ah, that's encouraging to me. So it's people, planet, profit, right? Those were the three P's, like sustainable business. It was really sort of in the business world and um, people, planet, profit. And I would argue as this field was emerging, there was an emphasis on that profit P, right? And it was sort of an advocating that, hey, we can keep doing business as usual, but it's good business to care about the environment, right? That we need to think about um, things that are good for the environment can be good for your bottom line, right? So people, planet, profit. And I think of that as first wave sustainability. And that's where I was, you know, as I was coming out and thinking about sustainable, um, sustainable building and green building and, you know, how to get big home builders in Utah to incorporate energy efficiency practices, right? Then I think there was a shift that it wasn't, that we couldn't just continue to talk about sustainability in terms of profit and in terms of profit models. And so we switched to the three E's, which were environment, economy, and equity, right? And this was a good switch, right? We were talking, you know, about economics in a different way. We were talking about the impact on people in a different way. Um, but as the switch happened, environment was still so clearly at the top of the conversation, right? It was really, and still today, when I tell people I'm a chief sustainability officer, they use the word environment interchangeably with the word sustainability, right? And so this was that, that, that second wave of sustainability, which really was environmentalism, but with some you know, economics and some equity to, alongside. And that's where sustainability in higher ed grew up in that space. That's where I grew up in that space. I started and ran an environmental center that did the sustainability work at my last institution. But I'd argue we're in a third wave. Um, and part of my work at the University of Utah is to help keep pushing us into this, which really better defines those terms, social equity, right? 
environmental integrity and economic security. So economic security and profit are different things. The way we're talking about these are different now. And what I see is a shift toward equity being on top of that pyramid and being the way that we frame the sustainability work that we're doing now and going forward. And I think we are in a shifting space between that second wave of sustainability and this, this third wave. And I'm super encouraged. And part of what I'm trying to do is usher us into this, this, this third wave. As I spoke with Carrie, climate-induced wildfires raged across the Western United States. Salt Lake City, where Carrie and I live, had just experienced an unprecedented and destructive windstorm, and people across the country were rising up in defense of Black life. What does sustainability have to offer in the face of these intersecting and complex environmental and social justice challenges? How might sustainability and movements for justice intersect? How can they mutually support one another? So first of all, I think we have to acknowledge that sustainability as a field and as a movement, and I would argue those are kind of different things, but kind of the same, and, and we can talk a little bit about that, is profoundly white and really does grow out of environmentalism, right? And environmentalism also profoundly, historically profoundly white, or at least the, the recognized sort of canon of environmentalism, right? Um, and issues with white supremacy, xenophobia, right? And so we have to acknowledge that that baggage comes with us into this sustainability space, right? And those same systems like colonialism, right? That tell us that certain people are more valuable than other people also tell us that certain kinds of people and certain spaces are more valuable than other spaces in nature. And certain people should get resources in a different way. And extraction of resources is okay, right? These are the same sort of mindsets um, that lead to racial injustice and lead to extraction at a, at a completely unsustainable rate. Yet, when we think about sustainability movements, I think we have to include things like environmental justice, climate justice, right, indigenous rights, like these are all sustainability movements in my, in my um, sort of definition of sustainability, right? As people are fighting for, you know, fair wages, as people, right, the, these are sustainability movements. And I want to, I, I want to make a note and give a, you know, a shout out to the climate justice movement that has known this all along, has been saying this all along, has been intersectional all along, right? So, so I, you know, I try and um, be careful in my framing about sort of mainstream sustainability, because sustainability is a giant term. There are lots of different things that can fit under that umbrella, and there are environmental justice, right? The environmental justice movement, the climate justice movement, been saying this for uh, decades, right? <laughs> and so I think, I think it's really important to acknowledge that. So we used to think about climate resilience and sustainability in maybe sometimes these pieces. We were thinking about climate resi resilience as what would we do if this one thing happened? And then all these things happened at once. And I think it really illustrated that sustainability um, moving forward needs to think about all of the multiple impacts, the economic, 
the equity, right, and the environmental, all being affected at once and thinking about uh, approaches and mechanisms that address all three of those, right? Again, with equity really, really centered. And so it's been a very interesting time to do that work. I think where sustainability is helpful in this space is that so much of it is grounded in systems thinking, right? And that that becomes very helpful when dealing with multifaceted complex problems with lots of different outcomes. And that's where we find ourselves right now. I asked Carrie about her hopes for sustainability. Where does she hope to see this field in five years? What must sustainability do as it enters its third wave? She began with a quotation from Colette Pichon Battle, founder and executive director of the Gulf Coast Center for Law and Policy. How we build and create has been rooted in extraction and oppression. And so she called on us. She said, if you try to rebuild what you had before, you will just recreate the same broken system. And so I'm spending a lot of time thinking about the shortcomings of the methods we use to create things like a climate action plan and how that is, that is rooted in those systems of extraction and oppression by who we invite to the table, whose opinions we take seriously, what voices we listen to, what solutions we consider within the scope of feasible and not within the scope of feasible. So one of the struggles I'm sitting with right now is thinking about, and this is, a, I think, a struggle for sustainability practitioners, how do we start using different methods and different systems to get to solutions related to sustainability? And I've been reaching out to my peers and colleagues at other institutions and asking questions and how are they doing this? And quite frankly, I'm not, I'm not getting great answers. So this is something I think we're struggling with. And it goes back to what I said earlier about thinking about listening to leaders in the justice movement about how this, these sorts of um, sort of plans or solutions or path forwards have been created in that space. I struggle with the um, climate crisis and climate urgency framing because I, I agree with it, right? I agree with, with, with what the, um, what is before us and what we are facing. And yet I just still see that disengagement, that panic, that turning away, that exhaustion, right? That comes from trying to work in a space of constant crisis, right? And so we have to, if we're gonna be in that space, we have to find places of joy, places of strength, places of community, places that fill us up to be able to keep moving forward. And so where, what I would want to see and where I think sustainability as a field and all the movements need to go, and again, some are doing this really well, is I think we have to shift from articulating a vision of uh, fear, and horror and a future that is terrifying and bleak, filled with all the things we can't do if we want to survive. And we have to get better at articulating a vision of where we want to be, of articulating the vision of what our, our communities, our university, our world, 
could be like. And I know that sounds a little idealistic, but there are people doing great work in this space. I think we need something to move forward, not just things to move away from. And I think historically sustainability as a field hasn't concerned itself with this enough, right? And again, this beautiful work um, through poetry and music and art and video that comes out of the climate justice, the environmental justice movement that, that I think can teach us these skills. Um, but sometimes I think we need to be a little less concerned about all the sort of wonky nuts and bolts and, and spend a little more time really trying to articulate what the world could be if we made different choices, if we had different systems, if we looked at doing things differently. Um, because I have a firm belief that that vision is compelling and something that um, people will want to move toward um, rather than just running, right, running away. In future episodes, I interview brilliant researchers, scholars, and teachers whose work and visions of sustainable futures gives us something to move toward. Tune in next month to hear Dr. Hokalani Aikau talk decolonization and environmental justice in her homelands of Hawaii. You're listening to Sustain, a podcast by the University of Utah Sustainability Office. To learn more about our work, visit sustainability.utah.edu or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sustainable U of U. Research, interviews, and editing of this podcast are done by me, Maria Archibald, a graduate student in the University of Utah's Environmental Humanities Program and a graduate assistant in the Sustainability Office. The music in this podcast was written and performed by Yusef Farah. Special thanks to my brother, Daniel Archibald, for sound editing support.